I think AI can lead us to a more objective approach to lending and make it more fair than it currently is. But I think we have to keep in mind that the machine learned from humans and the flaws of our own understanding are also programmed into the machine. The good news is that continuous learning piece, humans may not always do better once they know better, but kind of robots will like that's the assumption. And assuming enough of us participate, those flaws can be almost addressed instantly because it has this new data that informs the way that it should operate. Welcome to the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And today we're talking about how artificial intelligence is impacting how we manage our money. So you've probably noticed how AI is popping up in all the things like photography, video, audio. It was really just a matter of time before I got applied to finances. So we're going to cover some AI tools for fraud, budgeting, and lending. And then we're going to talk about what this means for you today and into the future as you're looking to improve your finances. All right. But first, our latest newsletter should have just hit your inboxes, but it would only do that if you actually signed up for our newsletter. So if you're not part of our list, go to richandregular.com slash mail. You can join our newsletter. Then you'll hear all about our podcast, new information on the blog. We have some upcoming classes, hint, hint, that we're getting ready to drop. And so you'll be the first to know. So hit up richandregular.com slash mail so you can join our newsletter. Yes, love it. So AI, have you seen that meme where it's this robot who's like chilling in a cubicle and then he shouts out to his colleague, hey man, would you <laughs> would you come check this I am not a robot box for me. <laughs> I mean, I messed it up because it's a comic. It's not like a... <laughs> oh, like the captcha. Like yeah, the, the robot can't click. They're getting really complicated now. I know. I, I got I, one. I started to write it down because it was it was totally different from the like, is this motorcycle in the box thing? Like, no. It it's was like, like spot the crosswalks. And I'm like, the legal ones? No. Or? I have to remember. I don't know what side it was. It was like a next level captcha. Like it was like, whoa. <laughs> It was it was hard. Prove like, you're not I was a like, robot. I don't know. Am I a Maybe robot? Maybe I need to be a robot. It was a lot. <laughs> all right. So AI, which is like the cool kid on the block. It's all the rage these days. I don't actually remember the first time that I heard the term, but it was a it was a long time ago. And I think back then it was the Hollywood version of AI. It was the robot who is so smart that eventually it outsmarts humans and, and begins to like see this is what's wrong with Hollywood. <laughs> this is what I mean. Like, this is why people are afraid of AI. This is why people are afraid of sharks. Because Hollywood has this deathly afraid that these things are all going to come and kill us and take over civilization. (laughs) And that is not real. But anyway, I get it. This is an early memory. Early memory, yeah. But I think the first time I realized that it would be tied to finances was back in like 2018. It was definitely the before times, like Mm. pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. And at, back then, this was like the height of the cryptomania. And AI would get weaved into conversations about blockchain and all of the technology benefits that are supposed to come from crypto. But there were also these fintech companies that were applying AI to their business models. Back then, we were shopping for mortgages and we ended up going with SoFi because they were able to offer really competitive interest rates. Yeah for people who had good credit because they had this risk pool that was informed by AI. And then you were able to get life insurance through a company called Ethos without making a doctor's appointment because they could deduce enough information about you by using AI and didn't require you to go into the doctor. You could do it all on your phone. It was super quick. They got acquired, actually. Yeah, they did. 
But back then, it was all about like optimizing your business model for this digital age versus what I'm seeing now where it's far more integrated into your personal and social life. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm old enough to remember when AI just stood for Allen Iverson. Um, <laughs> but if I had to think about my earliest memory, again, thanks to Hollywood, I think it was The Matrix. Yeah. It had to have been The Matrix. And I don't even know if they explicitly called out artificial intelligence, but I think the idea was there. It felt like Hollywood was like sending a very clear signal, like be careful with this technology because it is more powerful than you. But I would say like my first very clear memory of it, like in the real world, like not in the matrix, would have to have been some of those early studies. You know, we'd get those studies from like McKinsey or something. And back then we were like heavy and deep into the corporate world. But they were all of these studies that were talking about how artificial intelligence and they were immediately going to the downsides of this, like telling us slow down because this stuff is basically going to take your jobs. And I think a lot of people were dismissing it. And I was one of the people that was like, well, actually, you know, I, I could see that because I could remember the way that the introduction of algorithms had completely changed our world. I, I mean, I remember the day that the company that we used to work for switched over from Outlook to Gmail. And it was like a game changer. Like all of a sudden, it was just so much easier because you could use search. You could find old things and just help to solve a lot of problems. So I would say for that reason, I've always had an optimistic or dare I say rosy sort of hope for artificial intelligence and the role that it might play. But I'd never had like a real world application for it, or at least I didn't know that there was a point or a place in my life where I was actually using AI. But to your point now, it's like, it seems like it's everywhere. Like it's, it's, it's all the, the rage. It's like in every single news clip that we can find. And so that's why we really wanted to at least take this moment. I'm sure there'll be more in the future, but we can talk about what the future of AI is and, and how it impacts the way that we manage our money, think about money, et cetera. I think that's important because a lot of people think of AI as something new, but it's actually been around for about 70 years. It started back in the 1950s, but it's just beginning to be treated as this feature in the products and services that we use every day. What really struck out to me was this recent interview with Alphabet CEO on 60 Minutes. Here's what he had to say about how impactful AI will be. Welcome to Google. And we also had a rare interview with Google's CEO, Sundar Pichai. What do you compare AI to in the course of human civilization? You know, I've always thought of AI as the most profound technology humanity is working on, more profound than fire or electricity or anything that we have done in the past. Why so? Wow. Fire. Fire. Electricity. Yeah. I mean, those are like game-changing modern technologies. And I would love to explore as deep and as wide as those go. But today we're focusing on three key areas, fraud, budgeting, investing, and lending. It sounds like four. I know. <laughs> I said budgeting, but, but well, budgeting investing. I know like why. It's we, one word. I know why. But like budgeting and <laughs> investing, we're looping them together. We'll, it'll, you know, it'll make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but let's start with fraud. So banks have been using AI for years to help with fraud detection. And as consumers, what we see is a dashboard or an email. But behind the scenes, AI tools are noticing where these charges are coming from. They're identifying unusual activity. They're sorting through billions of transactions and identifying trends to help spot insurance fraud 
or tampered documents and loan applications. Even the voice system that we use that analyzes what you're saying and points you to the right customer service rep is trained and managed by AI. So I typically don't celebrate big banks, but the benefit to banking big is that they have these deep pockets and have a vested interest in reducing or minimizing fraud because they lose money too. Yeah. To that point, there are these rankings. And according to Go Banking Rates, here are the top five banks that are best with dealing with identity theft and fraud. One is Ally Bank. Two, Capital Bank. Then comes Chase, Citibank. Wells Fargo is number five. And Bank of America came in at number six. Now, I think this is important because fraud can happen to any of us, but a lot of us assume that it can't. Yeah. And I think it's partially because it's still stigmatized. When fraud happens to you, people tend to think that you are the one who did something yeah. wrong. Like you did something to bring it on. Yeah, like were... you shopped And in a... some cases, that is that is true, but you may not know. It's not like you openly are, you know, yeah. walked into the bar and said, this is my security <laughs> number. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know not to victim blame in other situations, but here, you know, people still assume that you sh- shopped on a sketchy website or yeah. maybe you were, you know, forgetful and lost your wallet and didn't freeze your accounts or whatever. But that's really not how it works anymore. You can really just be getting gas or using a public Wi-Fi and someone can strip your information. So I feel like if we were talking about something like vehicle safety, people would pay more attention to rankings like like this. But I just want people to know that the more digital the world gets, the more important it is for you to know where your bank stacks up in terms of fraud protection. That's actually a really good comparison because to your point that that oftentimes tends to be with respect to cars, like one of the key rankings. Like they they take pride yeah, in like, like being is number that airbag one gonna come out crash ratings or something like that. But given the prevalence and the really destructive you know, impact that fraud or identity theft can have on your life. We really should be looking at that. So I'm actually really glad that we called out that that top five, top six. Uh, and I would say, again, most of the big banks are up there. I don't know what seven through 10 are, but they're all up there. Okay. The way that I would think about, though, uh, a lot of the relationships, if you will, between artificial intelligence and these big banks, I would compare it to let's say Disney and Pixar, right? Like Pixar was its own company. They obviously had this particular look and feel, computer-generated, realistic cartoons, uh, but they were then acquired by a company and then they started making films together. And it's a very similar relationship. It's not like these banks were building in-house tech. That's not their jam. That's not their skill set. But many of them have worked with other companies and together they have created their own unique artificial intelligence tools that allow them to better serve their customers. So that's fraud. That's one of the ways, again, there are several, but that's just one of the ways that artificial intelligence is impacting the way that we manage our money. And I would say has been probably for the last few years. I want to move on to, what do we say? Budgeting? Yes. Budgeting slash investing. We'll get into <laughs> the investing part, but budgeting. And right off the bat, I'll say this is actually, budgeting has always been like one of my least favorite financial topics because like it, it gets into like judgy stuff. And it's, it seems like very elementary to some people, but yet so many people struggle with it. Like right. it's always been one of those topics where like I, I've always tiptoed around it. Then people, the B word and like it, yeah. <laughs> it's a very sensitive topic. And for the most part, a lot of the tools that people use have all kind of been the same, like with very tiny tweaks. But there's a new kid on the block. I feel like I should have queued that up and like added in a little bit of new kids right there. But there's a new kid on the block and his, her, their her. name, their. Is their name, because I don't know, <laughs> their name is Cleo. 
right? And I know if you're like me, the first time you hear Cleo, like it's already baked into your brain. The first thing you think of is Miss Cleo. Call me now for your free tarot reading. I did cue that one up because I absolutely <laughs> could not miss that opportunity. But Cleo, so it's a new budgeting app. Uh, and, and I feel like that's just limiting what it actually does. But it basically is powered by AI. And I would say my first impressions of this app is that it was the most Gen Z alpha thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it very clearly let me know, like, this is not for you. Like I am, (laughs) I am a millennial proud and true, but like, this was the most modern zany budgeting app experience. So the website that just in and of itself, like it doesn't even scroll up and down. Like it goes left, right. Like it was totally different. It was disorienting. (laughs) You know, the prompt, like when you're using a mouse and you're like trying to click on something. The arrow? The arrow. And it looks like a little, this is not an arrow. It's an emoji of a slice of pizza, like which you could say is in the shape of an arrow. And then when you try to cover over something, like you're getting ready to click on it, it turns into those eyes. Like you're looking at like emoji eyes. Like it was so, it was so... (laughs) like next level (laughs) like but it was fun and hilarious and zany so like shout out to the marketing team anyway the really really cool part like i'm sure there are several ways that ai has really made this cool this tool cool or too cool for school tool anyway this app has a chat feature so if you think about ai and obviously a lot of people think about chat gpt as like one of the biggest artificial intelligence apps out there well Clio has integrated their own chatbot. And what's really cool about this chatbot is you can ask it questions relative to your budget or any number of things. And so you go in there and instead of what I think a lot of people are used to, where they may see like a widget or a dashboard to see if they're over or under budget or where they're tracking on something, you can see that, but you can also just ask real quick, like, hey, where am I on this? Or how am I doing this year? And it'll just give you a quick little like prompt, like very specific. And it has like a really fun like personality to it. So they've got two really cool features. The first one is toast, which is if you need like a little pick me up and you want to know like, how am I doing with my budget? Because I think that's really important when you think about like why people are so, again, go back to why it was my least favorite judgment. It was like a very like stressful experience. This actually adds like a nice little layer of, of love to it. So it's like t- if you text or enter into the chat, toast me, it'll give you like a really nice high five and send you like an emoji, you know, like those gifts where they've got people like at the Oscars and you've got like, you know, stars standing up and giving you a round of applause. It'll say, looks like you're spending less on travel this week. Congratulations. Keep it up. Now on the other side of that, which I think is really, really cool. Cause again, going back to budgeting and the shame, well, there's like a positive sort of layer to the shame. So in addition to saying, toast me, Cleo, you can say, roast me, Cleo. And it'll basically say, roast me. And it'll like, if you say, roast me, it'll respond back and be like, okay, listen, like you've taken like five trips. <laughs> Too much dip on the chip. You're doing a lot Summer right down now. now. I'm about to just like, yeah. you, do you realize that <laughs> you have, you know, and then it'll insert like a, like not judging you, but judging you. Yeah. Like it, it is Amazon orders. <laughs> exactly. Think about, for those of you who may be familiar, think about the reputation that Wendy's Twitter has, yeah. right? As like something that you do not want to mess with Wendy's Twitter. Very similar with this. Like it will roast you in a funny way. And I think that's just really, really cool. So all of that to say, Clio is this new app. If you've got someone in Gen Z or hopefully not Gen Alpha, that's a little too young to be out here trying to manage your budget. But 
if you got that person uh, or if you just particularly like those kinds of features, check out Clear. Like this is not a paid endorsement, but I really, really think this is a cool way of engaging people with the money. The app is free, like most of these tools, but then they have an add-on service if you want some additional things. And again, it's got a robust product feature list. So you can do all the things that you would imagine regular budgeting apps do, but then you can also uh, do things for, you know, a paid fee that'll do things like credit monitoring. And then it has like cash advances and overdraft protection, like you name it. They've got like a swear jar. So if you like, you want to create like your own punishment system. Like every time I do this, I want you to put money aside in your own sort of budgeted swear jar. You can do that, which I just think... Oh, that's interesting. I just think it's cool. And I was like, that's a, I can't think of the last time I put budgeting and cool together, <laughs> which is why I was like so excited about this tool. Okay. So we talked about Clio, but some of the other more popular apps use AI as well. Now they haven't gone as far as to make it so that you can engage with a chat bot, but they do use advanced machine learning, which is also AI. So two of the bigger players are Mint and You Need a Budget, also known as YNAB. Yeah. (laughs) If you hear me saying YNAB, it's an acronym for You Need a Budget. Now, both of these apps come with your standard features. They both allow you to link accounts, regularly review your spending, and they both generate reports. But one big difference, though, other than the cost, is that Mint has this AI feature that they call Mint Sites, which uses your data to show you where you could be saving or, in some cases, earning more money. They take your entire spending and saving history, gobble it up, and process it into this refined insight like, hey, do you realize you go to the grocery store nine times a month? If you use this card consistently instead of you know whatever you're doing now you could be earning more cash back. Oh, I remember that. About yeah, that. that's like a sample. <laughs> that's not actually what it says, but that's the gist. It's, it's a of bit what, more eloquent. Yeah, it's a bit more eloquent. It's, it's not, not like, hey, um, hey, girl, how you doing? Um, <laughs> so I was thinking. Yeah. Now, YNAB does not have an AI feature per se because their premise is that you are the machine that needs to learn. <laughs> so you kind of use YNAB to tell your money where to go every month. And the platform just helps make that process more visible in an effort to make you less wrong more often. So I always say YNAB is great for people who have a method to their madness, but are looking for somewhere digital to track it, right? So you don't get AI with YNAB, but you do get a community where they offer live Q&As to help you. So you kind of still get the benefit of this crowdsourced information. It's just a much smaller crowd and not necessarily personalized based on your specific spending the same way that Mint sites would be. Yes, if I were a casting director in a rom-com and these were all friends, like, uh, I don't know what the Sex in the City spinoff was, right? Cleo would be the sassy friend that, you know, is, is just out there that she's doing her thing or they're doing their thing. It's very, like I said, like it gives you real-time feedback and support, but it will roast you <laughs> or toast you at the same time. It's that friend you love to hate. Mint is going to be like the buttoned up consultant, get the job done, no sort of frills or thrills. And YNAB is like the um, like the, the, the friend you call in a crisis, it's like a self-help book. You know, but it's also like a do-it-yourself guide. It's like motivating you and empowering yeah. you, if you will. Yeah, it's up there with like YouTube University, right? right? Where it adds this education and community sense or layer to it. Because people who love YNAB like really love YNAB. Like it's it's a very polarizing kind of thing. It's um, very interesting. Uh, YNAB is for people who are convicted in the way that they manage their money. They yeah. want to use a tool, but only if that tool thinks and acts like them. And YNAB kind of allows you to program it the way that you want. Yeah. 
to your point, Mint is more like quietly observing your spending habits and offering a solution. Think of it like a therapist might. It's like, I'm not going to make you do nothing. Yes. But I've noticed this and I would like to recognize you know, recommend this. And to your point, Cleo is that homegirl that just don't have no filter. Is going to tell you like the good <laughs> and the bad. So, I mean, I've been in the game long enough to remember where there weren't options like this exactly. at all. So I'm happy to see that there are these options. And I think the next step is training consumers to stop asking for a best overall and look for a best for you. Exactly. All right, moving on from budgeting apps, we now have Betterment and Wealthfront, which both are robo-advisors, right? Now, before I get into the robo-advisors, I kind of want to explain the difference between AI and algorithms. And I'm going to do this by having you imagine that you want to make a sandwich. Now, an algorithm is like a recipe that tells you exactly what steps to follow to make the sandwich. Step one, take two slices of bread. Step two, spread peanut butter on one side, et cetera, et cetera. AI is like having a clever chef who can watch you make the sandwich a few times. And after observing, the chef knows the best way to put the sandwich together without needing a specific recipe. The chef can even come up with new and creative ways to make the sandwich taste even better based on the ingredients that you have and your preferences. So an algorithm is going to give you a specific set of instructions to follow, just like a recipe for making a sandwich. And on the other hand, AI learns from what it sees and can figure out the best way to do things on its own, making it like a smart chef who can cook without a strict recipe. Got it? I can vibe with that. Yeah. It's a little insulting to algorithms. (laughs) Well, fun fact, that entire explanation was brought to you by AI via chat GPT. Okay. So that's why it's a little clunky. Okay. Well played. Well played. (laughs) So anyway, back to Betterment and Wealthfront. How do they do it? So Betterment is an algorithm-based tool, not AI. However, they use AI to reduce taxes on transactions by selecting what to sell based on the tax consequences. So in other words, whenever you sell a security, which Betterment does on your behalf, they're actually using AI to make quick and sophisticated calculations about the decision to buy or sell based on how taxes would impact the decision. Yeah. And, and by the way, this is where the slash investing part comes in, right? Because both Wealthfront, uh, which is what I'm getting ready to talk about, and Betterment are also financial apps. They don't really add budgeting tools, but this is why we kind of lump them into this particular category. But Wealthfront uh, is a little different in the way that they incorporate AI. So they are also a robo-advisor, but what they do do is on the front end of you creating your Wealthfront account, they basically ask you as a user to conduct what they call like an assessment questionnaire. And your responses to that questionnaire are basically translated. And out of that, they create a customized investment portfolio of like cash and ETFs using artificial intelligence. Now, the algorithms then track your spending and your saving behaviors, and they provide personal recommendations to then help you achieve your financial goals. So they kind of lead you to the same place as Betterment, but I believe because we're actually users of Betterment, they've got canned portfolios and they use artificial intelligence to manage that. And on the Wealthfront side, you basically say, hey, this is who I am. These are my preferences. This is what I like. And then they use AI to create a customized portfolio for you. All that to say, there's just like a lot of tech involved, hence like the rise of fintech over the last couple of years. But I think once you understand the fundamentals, as you just explained using 
a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Once you understand that, it's actually pretty easy to wrap your head around it. Now, these aren't the only financial apps or tools that you can use, and I won't go into too much detail, but I'll also take a pit stop here talking about credit because Credit Karma, which is another wildly popular app or tool, also uses artificial intelligence. And you might be noticing a bit of a trend here. They use it to provide personalized insights and recommendations to users. So if you're thinking about your credit and let's say you have some debt and you're wondering how you're going to pay down that debt on your credit cards or the method that might work best for you, or if there may be some dings or negative things on your credit report, Credit Karma's artificial intelligence can look at your spending history, your credit history, and make some recommendations. This is the best approach to pay off your debt. And based on some of the errors that we see on your credit report, this might be a tool that is worthwhile disputing and we can help you with that. So, you know, AI is like all over the place. Again, like it's impacting a lot of the things that we are already doing. So I would say there's really no reason to be afraid. Let's talk a little bit about lending. Yes. AI and lending, this kind of falls in line with a lot of the things that we've mentioned already about frauds and big banks, because the reality is if you've ever been approved for a loan online, you've already been engaging with AI and algorithms to some extent. Big banks and credit institutions have been using these tools to determine credit worthiness, loan worthiness, rates and terms for a while now. The loan application process is largely filtered and automated by AI. And the chatbots on the screen or in app are also powered by AI. So you get the information that you need. The days of going into a bank, scheduling an appointment and bringing a bunch of paper documents for someone to sort through are really long gone unless you just want to. (laughs) But there's something about the speed and efficiency of AI that just can't be ignored. It's lightning fast, which means quicker loan approvals and just a smoother process overall, which if you think about the quick loans that exist today, like a payday loan, you usually have to give up fair terms in exchange for that speed. So they're, they're labeled kind of predatory. And AI-driven lenders can do something that your typical bank branch can't. First, they can give you a personalized experience, kind of similar to the Amazon recommendation engine. They can look at your history and decide what kind of loan product would work well for you. And then... AI lenders are continuously improving. The more that they learn, the better that they get because it's always refining those algorithms. Love it. Another common misperception that you hear is that AI lending can level the playing field because AI doesn't have biases or emotions and that it assesses loan applications based on data, not these preconceived notions. There was a study that was published by UC Berkeley researchers. It was titled The Consumer Lending in the Fintech Era. They basically tackled the subject and they came up with a mixed bag, which is what you would typically expect. It was good news and it was bad news. The good news is that, yes, fintech lenders do describe discriminate less than traditional lenders overall by about a third. The bad news is that they still discriminate, right? So it was Mm -hmm. less. But again, it was because anytime you're factoring in any of this old data that has already been influenced by discrimination, you're naturally going to see that reflected in the output. Now, the good news is uh, there are companies out there that are making a concerted effort to reduce this by using a completely different set of data, which is long overdue. And we've been seeing this in the credit markets for a long time, but they're using a completely different set of data or a wider set of data to 
offer better rates, more competitive rates, so that more people have a better chance of getting loans that they need. So that's kind of the good news. And I can appreciate that on several levels. One, as an African-American who's passionate about wealth building in our communities and knowing the role that things like redlining have played in impacting uh, our credit as a community, like this is really, really important for us and other minorities out there, but also just as an entrepreneur, right? Like as someone who is out here in a new industry doing something uh, really exciting and doing well, like when you look at or have conversations with banks, like they are very much biased towards W-2 employees and that biweekly check, like it's baked into their loan processes. And we have these conversations with other entrepreneurs out there who have the means but want a loan and oftentimes get rejected by the automatic sort of AI on in their application process. So I'm happy to see that this is something that they want to at least recognize, but to know that there are companies out there that are factoring in a different set of data so that people who deserve a shot, deserve a loan, can actually get one. Yeah, I agree. I think AI can lead us to a more objective approach to lending and make it more fair than it currently is. But I think we have to keep in mind that the machine learned from humans and the flaws of our own understanding are also programmed into the machine. The good news is that continuous learning piece, humans may not always do better once they know better, but kind of robots will like that's the assumption. And assuming enough of us participate, those flaws can be almost addressed instantly because it has this new data that informs the way that it should operate. That being said, if I had to dust off the old crystal ball and guess what we can anticipate in the new future. Uh, you must Cleo now. Uh, now I'm Cleo. Coming out for your free tarot reading. <laughs> if I had to dust off my crystal ball and anticipate what I expect in the future, I would say one, faster loan approvals and access to funds with these hyper-personalized loan products that are not only tailored to your financial situation, but also to your risk appetite. So I think we can look to buy now, pay later technology to see a taste of what's to come, where a lot of people are able to accumulate purchases without putting any money down. And the risk is that, you know, obviously, if you miss a payment, it's it's the equivalent of like a payday loan, right? So there's that. And I also think about the improvements in learning that keep happening. I think as they keep happening, we'll start to see some alternative credit scoring models come out. Once AI can tap into alternative data sources like your educational background, your social media activity, or even just transaction history, lenders will be able to assess credit worthiness more comprehensively than they do today with you know the standard FICO score. Yeah, I would agree. If I had to put my crystal ball, I was going to say crystal ball on, I don't know what that means. But anyway, (laughs) if I had to look into the future, I I think you're going to see a lot of what many of the reports that we read are, we're going to see a lot of those predictions coming true. You're going to see fewer bank branches uh, for sure. Uh, I think you're also going to see more, I want to call them kiosks. So right now there's basically, you've got branches and then you've got ATMs. I think you're going to start to see smaller, like mini, like a hybrid version of those in more places. So fewer big branches, like actual building and more like quick opportunities for people to get access to money and to do things in places where you may not necessarily have seen them. Think about it the same way you would the evolution of fast food and like full service restaurants. Like yeah. Fast casual, made greater integration. I think that's going to lead to fewer jobs, unfortunately, right? Like they've got technology that can do a lot of the things. I think because of that, you're also going to see better chatbots. I think most people's experience with chatbots is probably okay. 
right? Like, it's okay. Like, they, they chat, they get these automated things. It doesn't seem real. I think you're going to see a huge enhancement in that. And so uh, if you think about the role that avatars, where it seems like you're not just talking via text, like there's an actual human-like or a human being having a conversation with you, I think we're going to see that in the coming years. And so like an evolution or growth of chatbots, and the same goes for phone support. Right now, it feels like we're kind of having conversations with like a cassette player, if you will, press this button, you know, now it's going to be, or in the future, in the near future, I think it's going to be so much more realistic. And I think it's going to lead to better, faster support for a lot of people who need it. I agree. All right. Final thoughts? Yes. Final thoughts. My final thought is that we as consumers have a choice to embrace AI or not, but companies don't. Yeah. It's not a choice for them. It's going to be a necessity if they want to survive this next stage of capitalism and expansion. They're going to have to adopt AI. So if you can stay informed and open to adopting new ways of doing things, you can actually benefit just as much as they will because you leave the math to the machines. And then you not only have more options at your fingertips, you also have the information that you need to make even smarter decisions. So I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening today to take a look at one of the tools that we mentioned today, download it, or at least at the very least, join their mailing list or visit their website, because these are some of the first movers and they're setting the bar for the rest of the space. And so if you want a sneak peek into what managing your finances is going to look like in five years or how you're going to have to teach your kids how to manage theirs or young people in your life, then these apps kind of give you a good head start into what we can expect. Yeah, I love it. All right. My final thoughts are you owe it to yourself to believe the business leaders and the policy leaders when they make these bold public statements and predictions like the impact of AI will be greater than fire. Like that is a direct, well, it's a, it's a quote pretty much from the uh, CEO of Google, but like it is huge. It will have a tremendous impact on the world that we live today. We have always said that just because you can't build a rocket ship doesn't mean that you can't get on one. And the best way to ensure that you're not a part of the left behind generation is to invest. And so you owe it to yourself to ensure that you are doing your part to stay ahead of the curve. And I think investing, especially investing in tech, is one of those ways to do it. So to Kirsten's point, engage with those tools, invest with those tools, invest in those tools, because I think that's really going to be uh, a, a important part of the way that we experience the world going forward. This stuff is not around the corner anymore. Like it is here and it's here to stay. So glad we covered it. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. If you don't know, reviews actually help feed the podcast algorithm. So if you like what you heard and you're not a robot, please leave us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We will see y'all next week. 